So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, it's the Outpost of Heaven, and I'm Emily. And I'm Andrew. And we're really excited today to welcome some friends of ours. Yeah, so we have today with us Lee and Elena Kinikini. They are some, actually, lifelong friends. We, mm-hmm. uh, Lee and my dad were friends in high school. Yes. Right? Yep. All right. And we're excited to have them on, and we're going to talk about some really cool stuff today. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves real quick? I don't know who to start first. I'll have Elena introduce herself, and then I will introduce myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, my name is Elena Kinikini. I'm 15 years old, and yeah. Typical teenager, right? I mean, it's kind of like short to the point. Are you a junior in high school? Um, Going into junior? Going to be a sophomore this year. Oh, going to be a sophomore. Okay. Yeah, she was born in October, so she kind of missed the deadline for. See, I was the opposite. I was like the end of September, so I just made it. So I was always the very youngest. Uh, yeah, she's kind of the oldest in her class, which actually we like because, you know, she's mature. more mature, yeah. right? And so, which is great. She reigns supreme in her grade, <laughs> sure. <laughs> she does. She's fantastic. So, And uh, my name is Lee Kinney Kinney. I am uh, Elena's father, and uh, we are, you can't tell from our accents, but we are Pacific Islander. We're from the island Ooh. of Tonga Yeah, is where we're from. And so... Um, but I've been here in Utah for a long time. My wife also has been here for a long time. Um, when did you come to the States? So I was born here. It's an interesting story between my wife and I because my, I was born here with Tongan parents and I was raised speaking Tongan in our home and then started learning English when I was in elementary school. Oh, really? Much. Yeah. Wow. And my wife was actually born here, but her father is Tongan and her mom is from Orem, Utah. Okay. Very different. But they actually moved back to Tongan. So she grew up in Tonga. So when we met, it was kind of nice because I had American culture and Tongan culture, and she had the same. So our backgrounds really fit. So probably made you like meshing those family cultures a lot easier. Yeah, it was a lot easier to talk about mutual, uh, you know, cultural things that made sense to us. And mm-hmm. and uh, so we've raised our daughter actually with both. Mm-hmm. We've raised her as 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 a Tongan, but also as an American because we live here, right. you know, and she has to be able to fit in. Yeah. So. so, Elena, do you speak Tongan? Nope. No. I wish I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Well, um, I know Lee is a very accomplished and a really cool guy, and he's very humble, and so he's not going to talk a lot about himself, probably. Um, so We're going to try to push it out of Yeah, can you talk oh, a little bit about... Your heritage and some cool stuff that you do, maybe singing-wise. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I auditioned for the uh, what was then the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. The name has changed, but I sing second bass in the Tabernacle Choir and actually sing with uh, Andrew's father in choir, too, in mm-hmm. high school. So uh, Jeff, your, your dad, is a tenor, and I was a bass, and so we... It's kind of neat to have those memories because those things never change, your friendships that mm-hmm. you make in choir. I mean, in one of the episodes, they, Andrew said you're a choir yeah, person, right? Yeah, and I'm so, in choir through high school, yeah. too. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. But those, those, those friendships, for mm-hmm. some reason, they really remain beyond the years. And I, it's funny, whenever we get together as far as friends from high school, there's always a choir group. We're, it's just easier for us to get together, right. and we keep in contact. So that's cool. Yeah. And they have yeah. a high school reunion tonight, so they're probably going to hang do. out with the, the Madrigals all together. Yeah. Well, I'm not going tonight. We have other plans. <laughs> oh. but that, I know. Isn't that awful? But that's okay. The ones that I want to talk to, I talk, talk to, to them. anyway. Yeah, I talk yeah. to them anyway. So right. that's good. But yeah, pretty much that's what I do as a profession. I'm a mental health counselor, and so I um, provide therapy for families in trauma and distress and. Mm-hmm. And things like that. So awesome. Well, yeah. we're really excited to talk yeah. about that. Great. Um, first, let's do our Pobody's Nerfic. Oh yes. We're okay. Share some funny stories, real quick. All right. So this one comes from the early days in our marriage. Um, <laughs> yeah. We were actually li- we were living at my 
parents' house for the summer while I was interning at a law firm. And uh, just to kind of paint the picture for you guys, my parents have a really long ranch-style house, and the and the bedroom that we were in was at one end of the house, and the bathroom is at the other end of the house, and it's one long corridor. It's like one long creepy hallway. Yeah, it's super creepy. It's like dark. And yeah, you can see like from one end the of the time, house. They redid the floors, but at the time, like the wood floor kind of like creaked a little bit. Yeah, and so I wake up at it must have been like one o'clock in the morning and I really had to go to the bathroom. And so I go to the bathroom. Okay. Sorry. Prefacing. He usually would always say like, okay, I'm going or like, I would always know that he, yeah, she'd always like wake up a little bit. I I always knew when he was going to leave, but this time for some reason she didn't wake up when I went to the bathroom. And so I go to the bathroom and I, and in order to turn the lights off, you have to walk like half the distance of the, of the corridor or the hallway in the dark. And I was like one o'clock, and so you know your one o'clock brain it gets like a little freaked out, and so I'm just thinking <laughs> crazy thoughts. And I, I turn the lights off, and I book it. And I run down the hallway, and so my heart rate's going, and I threw open the door, jumped in, and shut the door. And I was like, okay, good, like <laughs> nothing's gonna bite me in the back now. <laughs> but my heart rate was already was already up because of that, because I was freaked out by the dark, um, and. Emily wakes up and didn't realize that I had gone to the bathroom, and so she totally freaked out. Started screaming, and <laughs> because I think that he's laying next to me, and this random guy is like, like coming into our room, and I try and calm her down, but for some reason I I didn't know this, but when I get really like scared or like really like my heart rate's going really high, my voice drops like twenty octaves, oh and my so gosh, I'm, I'm just, like trying to tell her like, honey, it's me, it's it's just it's me, it's okay. But this it is com- how it came out. And it comes out like, honey. Honey, like <laughs> Batman had walked into her bedroom and was like, I, I grabbed her shoulders to try and calm her down, but I realized I was freaking her out more. Yeah, I had grabbed her like, shoulders, like, honey, honey, <laughs> like shaking me by the shoulders. We were like, our, we were so freaked out. We had to like throw the like throw something on the TV and watch like, something for like an hour before we could calm down enough to go to sleep. Yeah. So there's <laughs> our there's our embarrassing. That, story for today. That is great. Holy cow. Yeah. Talk about scary, huh? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so now every time he gets up, he always tells me he's getting up. Yeah. That's a, that's a good plan. And every time I call her honey, she like goes, honey. <laughs> In her Batman voice. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So for, this is something related to me and my daughter and we hadn't shared this story until we were like in front of our church group when she was a young woman and uh, i had shared this experience of traveling with her so like we we have these rules about like sunday in our family that may be mm-hmm. kind of weird for some people but mm-hmm. like we don't go out and eat on sunday and and so we were traveling in california for a reunion and um she was maybe five maybe five years old and we were driving down the road, and it was Sunday, and we had no place to eat, and we were starving. And so we were like, well, maybe we should stop here. And she's like, but it's Sunday, because we just got out of church, right? <laughs> and so we're like, oh, darn. Okay. And so we just drove around, and she fell asleep. <laughs> and, yeah. So then when she woke up, she's like, oh. And we're like, guess what? It's a Monday. <laughs> and then we, and so she's like, it is? And we're like, yeah, it's Monday. We're going to go get something to eat. And she's like, okay. So she believed it was Monday. And here we are, like, eating, you know, because, well, we didn't have anywhere else to go. We had no food. So it was just one of those weird things. <laughs> so, I know. She didn't even know that till. So I started sharing this with the with the ward, the young group, the bishops in the back, and he's just rolling over laughing. <laughs> but my daughter's face is kind of like, I can't believe you just, <laughs> I can't believe what you just did. What? I believed it was Monday. And so, anyways, yeah. So what you're saying is your professional opinion is that it's okay to lie to your kids sometimes. <laughs> Only if you're starving. <laughs> if food is on the line, yeah, lying becomes online, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds awful, but yeah, don't lie. Don't That's lie so to funny. your kids. Please don't lie to your oh, kids. Man. <laughs> oh man. Sorry, sorry, huh? <laughs> sorry. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Elena, do you have one or do you want to count that as yours? Um, well <laughs> I was trying to think of something and really the most embarrassing times in my life were when I was a ninth grade student body officer and I did a lot of things that I kind of regret now, but they were fun in the moment. Like I danced in the front of everybody in an assembly for no reason besides they needed somebody to stall for time. And I'm like, right. I got you guys. So 
Just I always wish that like I could that. be that person. But I'm like way too nervous of a person to be. So, Emily was the girl when she you. was young. <laughs> When she was a little girl, and then she would openly admit this, like, instead of hanging out with new, like, going to meet new friends, she would rather, like, eat her ice cream in the corner by herself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was very shy as a kid. Yeah. I don't think you need to be embarrassed by that. I think that's good. Yeah. That's a, a good quality that will serve you well. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so we brought, um, we wanted to have you guys on today because Lee is... Um, a professional counselor, right? That's what you do. Yes. Yes. And so he works with families, especially struggling families Mm -hmm. uh, who are kind of at the end of the rope before their children are going to be taken away from them by the state. Right. Uh, And so he goes in there and he tries to help them uh, fix their communication and function better and have more healthy relationships. And we wanted to get his professional perspective on that, but then also talk about how he's implemented these same skills in his own personal life. And how and, we can do it too. And how we can do it too, yeah. and how our listeners can do it. And then we wanted Elena on here so that she can call Lee out when he's lying to us. <laughs> or talk about how good he's doing. Oh boy, I'm on the hot seat. Or, or be like a, a second witness if you want to have <clears throat> Elena explain some things. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is fantastic. And especially to be able to help multiple people in this format with stuff that I've learned over a lifetime of helping these families. I mean, it's a it's an interesting thing to go in and help a family, but to be able to help multiple families like you guys are doing here, mm-hmm. that's really neat. I mean, it really is a powerful thing. And so kudos to you guys and <laughs> congratulations on, you know, pushing this forward because this is something that I feel would be very helpful um, to people down the road, even people who come in later and mm-hmm. listen back. So mm-hmm. anyways, well, thank you. yeah. Anyway, so where do you want me to start? Like, uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about um, just your journey okay. uh, professionally and how that kind of bled over into your family life. Okay. And let's, let's be wherever you want to go with that. Okay. And then, and then we'll kind of go into the three pillars that we talked about. Yeah. Right yeah. There. Okay, great. So, um, I actually was working in an office job. And I realized that that wasn't where my passion was. My passion was working with people. So I made a dramatic shift in the middle of my life. And it was kind of traumatic for me and my wife, but it was a necessary thing because it reset us, Mm -hmm. you know, and actually strengthened our relationship because we had to depend on each other to make it through. Um, And so I went back to school um, and my original goal was to become a lawyer (laughs) <laughs> took the LSAT, you know, I'm like, I'm going to make lots of money. This is what I want to do. And then found a job in between uh, going to graduate school and af- after finishing my bachelor's degree. Um, and what age was this? This is, I was in my 30s. Yeah. So <laughs> one thing you need to know is I have ADHD. <laughs> so I have, a, a, my school life was always afterwards very chaotic because my inability to really function well. Uh, really hindered my ability to progress in college because nobody's there to really kind of guide you through. You kind of have to do it on your own. So anyways, so it was like in my 30s, um, went back, did that. You know, I finished school. I was able to have the tools to do that, which I thought was fantastic, uh, really quickly. Um, And then we... uh, Went to I had a job in between graduate school and getting my bachelor's, and it was helping families, and I fell in love with it. And so I threw law school out and said, I guess I'll be poor. So <laughs> I guess that's what I'm going to do. Because being a lawyer was the only way to make money. <laughs> right, right. I thought, oh. So then I ended up uh, staying at that job, and the job was going into families' homes, specifically families that were court-ordered or that were in the DCFS system. Um, so that's oh, so a, what is DCF? That is the Department of Family and okay. Child Children's Services. Okay. So this was the last post for them before they had to be removed from the home because of neglect or abuse or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. The goal of the state was to keep all the families together. That was the goal, mm-hmm. um, if at all possible. Now, there are certain times when families shouldn't be together. Um, but the goal is to go in and assess and then figure out if we could teach them skills to help them progress and move forward Mm -hmm. and then be successful and remain as a family. So I did that for about 11 years, uh, worked with these families, uh, with children ranging from the age of around four to 18, sometimes even older, because a lot of the children didn't transition out of the home until they were 25, 26. 
Uh, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of mental illness going on with these families. So yet the success rate in the program that I was involved with was really high. We were able to keep families together uh, that needed to be together. So there were certain lessons that I learned along the way that I thought were super helpful, but it was consistent around all the families that I worked with. I mean, there were just some very consistent things that if all families did certain things, it tended to be a lot easier for the family to get along. And, and if successful. I remember right, these families were all from different socioeconomic backgrounds, right. different cultural backgrounds, different races, et cetera, et cetera, like all across the board. It was across the board, yeah. They had me working with a lot of uh, minority families, so Hispanic families and Pacific Islander families, African-American families. Um and then, of course, we live in Utah, so, you know, there's, there's a lot white of, people. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah, there. there's white people. So it was kind of like thrown <laughs> in the mix. They had me work with a lot of the uh, minority groups, largely because w- when I went in, they seemed to be a lot more comfortable with having somebody else of color in the home. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would have never thought of that. Yeah. It's, I, don't, I didn't realize that, but I would get cases coming through my uh, inbox, and they said, and the worker would say, we want you to do this largely because they would be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So um, did that. Um, it was good. It was it was a wonderful job. I loved it. And I actually continue to do it now, but more in administrative work. Mm-hmm. So I'm still involved with providing information and help for parents. Mm-hmm. So now that you guys have a, a understanding of how qualified <clears throat> Lee is to talk about these things, uh, <laughs> let's dive into a little bit of the... Of three things you said were common across all of these families. Right. Or all these families. Right. Um, we said, you, you, in our discussions before we started this this episode, you said open communication, truthful validation, and autonomy. Yes. So let's maybe just start at the first one okay. and just work our way through. And please bring in Elena as, as backup <laughs> as frequently as you want. Absolutely. In fact, I, I would invite her to share because in our home, communication is one of those really, really big things that we focus on and being able to communicate often. So uh, you guys have walked into our home because we're recording this in our home. Mm-hmm. But if you <laughs> notice, you, yeah, <laughs> we're glad to have you here. But we have intentionally designed our home not to have televisions in specific areas of our home Mm -hmm. so when you walk in our family room there's no television there there's no television in the kitchen dining room family room Mm -hmm. and there's no tv in our basement Mm -hmm. you know i mean we and all our computers are actually over here in one room with our television in one room Mm -hmm. and it sounds really odd and i know that's not for everybody but for us what we wanted is when we were sitting down to have a meal that there were no distractions. Mm-hmm. That was that was the goal. So we purposely designed our living space or our home to reflect the values that we wanted to to espouse, especially in raising our daughter. So almost like watching TV was a very intentional decision because it's in one room of the house kind of thing. Exactly. You kind of have to come here to watch right. it. and It's not just here. on, yeah. Yeah, it's not just on. I think that's a really interesting thing that we've found... Um, as we've spoken with lots of different people mm-hmm. uh, to re- record this this podcast that we're doing, uh, we've our focus again is always to help people develop a more Christ-centered family culture and Christ-centered home. Mm-hmm. And one thing, one commonality we've found is intentionality mm-hmm. in everything. So, like intentionally being having intentionality when it comes to being righteous, when it comes to you know the placement of your TVs in your home, like so many things have to do with being intentional, not letting your culture kind of just happen, but mm-hmm. like actively being engaged in creating your culture. So Absolutely. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's one of those things where you have to live intentionally if you're going to live a Christ-like life because mm-hmm. it doesn't happen by accident. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So you have to create you have to create it in order for it to exist, which is a wonderful thing because it allows a lot of autonomy right. and free agency to do what you want to do. So, again, it's not for everybody, but for us, that was something that me and my wife had discussed and we talked about. We're like, okay, what do we want out of our relationships in this home and how do we want to structure everything that happens within our home? And we just decided that we wouldn't put TVs 
everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Now we do have TVs, I, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not anti-TV because I am a movie junkie. Like I watch <laughs> everything and I love movies. Yeah. But we are very intentional about what we consume and where we consume it in the right. home. So, so then when you're in other rooms of the house, you're kind of, <coughs> excuse me, I'm choking. You're like kind of forced to talk to each other. Yes. In a good yes. way. In a good way. Absolutely. So that's where the communication comes in because you're strengthening your ability to communicate. Absolutely. And so we've, like upstairs, what's funny is like when we sit around the counter, it automatically creates this need to communicate Mm -hmm. because it's just quiet Mm -hmm. otherwise and then we 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 have certain rituals that we do and i say rituals loosely they're just certain things that kind of developed over time that we naturally do Mm -hmm. that that continue the communication so lane i'm really interested to hear your perspective because i know a lot of teenagers kind of balk under the I don't want to talk yeah like when your parents are yeah so So, yeah go ahead oh you go I was going to ask, what is that like for you? Do you ever get, like, do you feel frustrated that you're kind of forced to communicate? Or do you enjoy it? Was it like a learning curve? And be totally honest. <laughs> yes, be honest. <laughs> um. <laughs> so hard when your parents sitting right here. Just imagine he's not here. Just put, like, yeah. imaginary barrier. I'm right invisible, there. okay? okay. Like, Harry Potter's cloak is on me. Okay, go ahead. Well, um, this has just kind of been my way of growing up. So I haven't really... I don't know. It's been so strange, especially when I was little and because my dad was working with so many families and stuff, he always, my parents always wanted me like home and stuff. So I was always home with them. And especially since I'm the only one and everything like that. So um, I've always felt like I was okay to communicate with them and talk to them about anything. Mm -hmm. And with um, like TV placement, it was really funny to me whenever somebody would come over because they'd be like, where are your TVs? Where are your TVs? Because they're not upstairs in the living room. They're not in our other living room downstairs. So um, it was always strange to me because that's just kind of how I've grown up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's it's really good. It's really healthy, and I enjoy talking to my parents, which is kind of strange for a teenager to say. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. Just the open communication is really nice. and like you guys said, being intentional with those things and being intentional when we communicate because because we don't have all of those distractions, it's really been helpful and helped us grow as a family. So it's awesome. Oh, that's great. I'd imagine that as you go to your, your friends' homes, you probably see friends you probably have friends who don't enjoy talking to their parents a whole lot. Um, <laughs> what do you think your parents have done specifically that has helped you feel like this openness to this communication? Or are you just a good soul that your parents are blessed <laughs> with? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, well, it seems like a lot of times the problem with communication is that my friends and their parents aren't listening to each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the parents just think, oh, I'm always right. You don't know what you're talking about. And then they don't listen. Mm-hmm. The thing about my parents is... Um, they listen and especially with like their jobs like what my dad does and my mom is a nurse practitioner so they work with people yeah Yeah, they work with people all the time and it's all about listening and so I just feel like I can talk to them and they will listen to me I can't imagine higher praise from a teenager I know I like want to cry over here (laughs) I'm gonna pay her extra allowance (laughs) that is just the best answer ever I do want to state this though is like because we do love movies we do I have a projector but I have to set it up in order Mm -hmm. to watch it so just FYI it's not like we're anti-TV or yeah and he's not trying to guilt trip you no 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 have TV Emily and I have a TV in our well, we only have one room in our house, really, so we don't really have much of an option. <laughs> so it's a little different for us. But, um, yes, yeah, so we're not trying to guilt trip you if you yeah, are. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Everybody make it work the way that you need to. Yeah. And actually, for us, having it not there was more helpful. But, I mean, turning it off is just as just as great. Just as yeah, you yeah. have like a rule. That, right. You, you can know. just say it's off. Anyways, thank you for the praise to my daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So proud of her. Oh, <laughs> Can you, can you talk a little bit about what she was saying, how sometimes parents don't listen to their children? Because I know that that was something that we've seen also as we've talked to other teenagers about their about their family culture. 
And that's something that's, that's come up frequently. Yeah, in the open communication and about truthfulness with children, specifically, a lot of parents want to hear what they want to hear come out of their children's mouth. Or basically, they want their children to repeat what they believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, in our case, and this has always been the case with us, is we have to allow her the autonomy to say what she wants to say in the way that she wants to say it and not judge it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of step back from it and just say, okay, this is just information. This isn't, a, she's not calling anything out, but what she's sharing with us is just information and we can work with information because mm-hmm. it's neutral, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so if she has something that we disagree with, which is actually increased over the last couple of years, <laughs> you know, because, and here's the funny thing is like, she'll go over to her friend's house and they do things completely different. And I think that that was a shocking moment for her because she's like well you guys are so different and we've had this conversation where you guys run our house so different Mm -hmm. than every other place than all my other friends house uh, or parents do and so um we just take the information this is the information she has and then we listen to it and then we examine it we explore it and then we find a common ground in there somewhere in there yeah does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so is this would you say that this is like the same types of like open communication that you're using when you're working with other families absolutely is what you're teaching yeah you know a lot of parents um depending on their approach to parenting uh, when children communicate and as they get older they become more bold and they want to express their own ideas that may be Mm -hmm. very different than their parents Uh, parents have to learn to step back and say this is just information that i can use and then they need to reevaluate what is my role because you know when you have a young child you're guiding them along the whole process of mm-hmm. you're 100 percent in charge of what's happening with the child as the child gains independence you have to step back and your role changes you know mm-hmm. and i've realized that with her you know as she's getting older and she's having more of her own opinions i have to step back and say okay well that may not match with mine exactly, but that's okay. Right. You know, I've taught her principles, and she's going to govern her life according to the principles, but they may, not, they may not, in the end, be exactly my own, and that's mm-hmm. okay. That's okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. So, so. How, well, how would you advise parents like Emily and I? So we have a three-year-old and a soon-to-be one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So um, Hiram, our, our three-year-old, he's slowly getting... Like gaining a little bit more independence. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and opinions. Yeah, and opinions. Yes. He told me yesterday he doesn't like swim lessons. He wants to stop. And I yeah. was like, wow, I think that's like the first real like opinion that's yeah. going on. So, so Besides, what, like, I don't want to eat this. Yes, yeah, so maybe walk us through that, like how you would talk to us about that specific issue. So, Hiram, uh, he actually was doing really well with swim lessons. Right. Um, and then my mother in her well-intentioned hood uh, said <laughs> the reason we're having you do swim lessons is because my brother yeah. uh, passed away because he, he drowned when he was about three. He's about Hiram's age. Right. And she said, we don't want you to drown like Hiram or like Brendan. And so we want you to take swim lessons. And so after that, it was just all downhill, screaming, kicking, yelling. And so like, we don't know like how much do we keep pushing him? How much do we listen to what he wants to do? Cause he wants to stop. Right. Uh, but like he's three. And so we don't know how much autonomy to give him yet. Right. So maybe Walk us through how you would counsel that. So in working with a young child like that, there are certain you still have a lot of control over what they should do and what they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, if he's communicating that, then you can start to ask him deeper questions like, okay, why don't you like this? What is what is the resistance there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And evaluate that because the, the the worst thing that you can do is create a power struggle over it where right. they start to resent you as a parent for forcing them to do something they don't want to do. Because mm-hmm. that just creates the separation between you where the communication will be broken. Mm-hmm. So I would focus on communicating with him. Okay, tell me why. Give me a reason why. Mm-hmm. And then let's... It's just information. He's just giving you information. Right. Right. I don't like this. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And at this point, like, we're trying to teach him what why means. Because he doesn't know. Like, right. when we ask him why, he just doesn't get what that question yeah. means. So, right. like, first we have to, like, tackle that question. And then I think we yeah, can like, figure out the Like, reasons. last night he said, we asked him what he wanted to drink at a restaurant. And he said, sprinkles. 
Because he saw said, sprinkles on the like, ice cream. Like, like that. why do you want sprinkles? He's like, I want sprinkles. And so sprinkles. Like, super slick. Circular. Cool. Yeah, so we're still working on the why. But yeah, I like this. Yeah. So leave the communication open. But I mean, yeah. if he's expressing this, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. And you want to listen. Because yeah. in the end, of course, it's about the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know? And your opinions don't matter if the relationship isn't there. Yeah. So... No, that's, I think it's, that's a, great. I, I want to highlight that. I think that's a really powerful takeaway for all of our listeners. Like, you, you say it one more time, your opinions don't matter if, you if, know, if there's no communication. So, yeah. or, yeah. Yeah. It's like the relationship is more important than your opinions. Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Without a, without the relationship, you could talk yourself blue in the face. You could be absolutely hundred percent right, mm-hmm. but it won't go anywhere. You know, it's just useful, useless, useless information. So So another one of the pillars that you had talked to us earlier about was truthful validation. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? So truthful validation has to do with being able to praise your child in, uh, but being sincere about it. And it's being very deliberate, intentional, Mm -hmm. and specific. So for example, with my own child, when I praise her, it's not good job. It's more you know what, you did this really well. Like you, like specific. It's very, very specific. It's like, you know what, I noticed while you were playing your cello, you were holding your bow the right way, and mm-hmm. the sound was beautiful. It was rich, and it you know had this intonation that was just sounded fantastic. So that type of very specific praise is better than you played well. That was, mm-hmm. that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, what that does is it reinforces what she did so she can do it again. Mm-hmm. And it also lets her know that I was paying attention. More specifically. Yeah. 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 More instead of just like, high five. Good job. It's yeah. kind of just really blanket praise yeah. statements. Elena, do you have any more examples of your dad doing or using truthful validation as opposed to like the general stuff with ex- we're not including the cello example when here's something else. <laughs> um, well, I play lots of different instruments, so he definitely does that with almost all of them. And <laughs> almost all of them. Almost so all a of them. couple of them that he's very harsh on apparently. <laughs> he can't be. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think. I don't know, just with um, a lot of things like if I did a chore really well he's like great job at doing this very specific I can't think of any specific it's kind of of hard to think of those specific things yeah but what you know what's funny is like the more you do it the more your child doesn't realize it (laughs) but But right but but it builds relationship like and it builds this kind of rapport she doesn't know this but even what she's learning to drive right now and so Mm. if you ask which of her parents she prefers in the in the in the passenger seat, it is who is it? <laughs> We're not going to throw mom under the bus. Yeah, mom but, is in the room. Yeah, right mom's now, right here, <laughs> rubbing her eyes. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but his dad mostly because mostly because he doesn't freak out and he does that very specific praise, like "good job on that turn." Last time you did a turn like that, it wasn't very good. I think, <laughs> so I, good job. I think this might be a common thing, though, because Emily and I have had this discussion. We both preferred our fathers yeah. being in the car. Oh, well, I know my mom would just always have her hands up, like, <laughs> holding herself to the sides of the car. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a whole learning to drive thing. But again, I mean, even under pressure, you can praise your child for small things. It's not like the big, huge things. Mm-hmm. Even the, the small, consistent praise yeah. over time is the most effective it kind of reminds me of i believe it was gordon b hinckley said this quote of how um we need to overuse the word i love you oh uh, the phrase i love you and i might be misquoting that but i believe it was gordon b hinckley uh, who was the one of the previous presidents of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints Mm -hmm. um and i really like that because it's this um i've heard competing ideas where you should use i love you sparingly so that it means more uh but if you use it extremely frequently, then it becomes just part of their psyche and part of that relationship. And so I like this idea of having truthful validation just being a constant thing, even if that validation, even if each individual piece of validation might mean less, right. it, the whole becomes a lot more powerful and becomes part of who you are. And so like it, it, it maybe becomes, maybe less powerful is not an accurate term, maybe less meaningful in the moment that it's given. I agree. I agree. I think that there, 
the expression of love, and I'm saying this specifically for men, needs to increase Mm -hmm. their ability to say I love you or to express love and affection needs to increase overall. And this is this goes with the families that I've worked with as well. The increase in my presence as a male, positive male role model, increased the positive behaviors in the kids there. And I wasn't shy about expressing how I felt about them because I think for me it was important for them to realize that there was an emotional connection, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, yeah, I overuse I love you, I think. I don't know. Do I hug? Maybe. I think it's a country <laughs> song like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's in a country yeah. song. Well, I think it's it's a positive thing, though. Yeah. Like, yes. Like, overu- yeah. saying, using the word overused might have the connotation that it's it's losing its potency, but I don't think that's true. I, think, I, I don't either. I think it, yeah. it, the word, the, again, like the, in when, if we overuse I love you, every time we say I love you, it might not be as powerful a phrase. But it becomes part of our fabric. It becomes part of the fabric of that relationship and part of our mm-hmm. family culture. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if we look at how the Savior actually interacts with us, I mean, it really is pure love. And so, I mean, does he? I, I really don't think that he would pull back in right. expressing love to anybody. I don't think so. Either. I think he would just be completely open about it and just say, "I love yeah. you." You know. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because I was wondering this about truthful validation. Uh, because the Savior was extremely open about his love, but he was also extremely open about correcting. Yes. I mean, there were times yes. where, well, poor Peter, like my heart just goes out to Peter every time we read the New Testament, when right. Peter's like, I don't want you to die, and Christ turns around and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Like, poor Peter. It's like, I just want to love you, man. Like, <laughs> but Christ had to recognize that part of truthful validation was also truthful critique maybe yes yeah and so part of the truthful and that's why truthful is before validation is because it needs to be sincere and it needs to be honest uh kids can read through fakeness you know i I think all of us can read Mm -hmm. read through people being who are fake when they're trying to be sincere. Elena's so. giving a very vigorous head nod right yeah. now for all the listeners <laughs> out there. Yeah. So it's important to be able to um, do it truthfully, you know, being able to express validation in a truthful way, but also being able to give correction truthfully, you know. So in the example we talked about with her practicing to drive, I do correct her. You know, the the validation comes with correctness, but mm-hmm. the correctness is all because I love her. And it's all founded in that whole balance between correcting her, loving her, and then validating the good things that she's doing. Yeah. So. That's great. Yep. So we've touched on the last pillar, autonomy, a little bit throughout this whole conversation. Yeah. But is there something else you want to add to that? Um, I think really briefly with Mm -hmm. our daughter, the older she gets, the more autonomy we give her and freedom to make decisions. In my discussion with my wife in raising her, our idea is that we would rather she fail while she's still young enough to deal with failure mm-hmm. than for us to bubble her and, and you know contain right. her and then she gets out in the world and then she fails and it's just the end of the world. Right. That's a really interesting perspective because if you fail at 15, like you're still living at home, you're right. still on your parents' insurance, you still have food. Exactly. But if you fail at like 35, then things get a little more dicey. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So the autonomy part for us is just getting her prepared to becoming a a young adult that's Mm -hmm. independent. Um, And that's our whole goal is that when she's old enough and she's ready to move on, that she can do it emotionally um, well and that she'll be in a good space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the important part. I think parents, you guys have really young children, but as they grow, you're going to have to allow some more autonomy. Mm-hmm. as they get older to make some decisions and she's made decisions we do not agree with but we've allowed her to play it out mm-hmm. in order for her to learn right. you know and it's a painful thing for us sometimes to just sit back and go this you can is see it all crumbling. yeah it's like this is gonna crash and burn yeah. <laughs> Lena, are you aware of what choices those are like do they make it known when you start making choices they don't like um Occasionally, or it depends. Like, they on may what just have like a face. And you're like, they don't like this decision, or <laughs> sometimes they can. Um, mostly, well, I'm just really glad that they do give me that independence as I have been getting older because I really appreciate it. And I've seen friends in my life where their parents don't give them like any independence when they're my age, and I'm like, I really wonder how they're gonna do when they get older, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're free to do whatever they want. Um, 
But having those choices and just having an opportunity to do what I want to do is really nice. And then I actually learn. It's good um, practice right now. It is really good practice. And it's really helpful to learn and make decisions that I want to make. And then if it doesn't end up well, at least I still have them. And I can be like, oh, I'm sorry, you were right. (laughs) Um, But I made that decision, so... I think that's awesome because I I feel like a lot of people in Lee's and my parents' generation complain about our generation, Elena, because they're like, oh, like millennials, like they grow up and then they never leave home or they don't ever get a job. It's like, you guys didn't give them, like a lot of the parents aren't giving them (laughs) autonomy. And so how do you expect them to be autonomous? It's like, it's like they're expecting them to never get on a bike. And then at the age of 18, you just put them on a bike and push them down a hill mm. and you're, they expect kids to just get it right away. Right. Whereas this idea of gradually, or how is it? How do I say this? Giving gradual autonomy or gradually more autonomy. It's throughout like the whole child. Yeah. Throughout child. It's experience. like, Oh, you start with a tricycle and then you start with a bike with training wheels and then you start on a bike and then you can go into like mountain biking and then, or road biking, you get more intense. Um, but that's only possible if you work your way up. Right. Right. It, having a lot of autonomy is a dangerous thing, but gradually mm-hmm. allowing it. You know, I mean, we still have very strict rules for her. She has a curfew that's very different than her friend's curfew. We still have Sunday uh, day observance, which is very different than her friend's. I mean, we still have the rules in place, but we've allowed her to to make more decisions on her own. Which, within the boundaries. Within the boundaries yeah. of those. Because we want her to fail safely yeah you know i mean in the place where it's safe might as well right exactly and for the parents out there who are loving what you're saying but have no Mm -hmm. idea how to apply this yeah how do they decide where to give autonomy and where to let rules be set in place so the end goal is actually to teach more autonomy down the road so you want to you want to allow them to uh, make a decision that will lead them to understanding okay i made a bad choice but i can correct it do you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. um and you don't want to allow them to a point where they it's too hard for them to make the correction can you maybe give us a specific example it doesn't have to be a personal example from elena but a specific example mm-hmm. to help our listeners yeah so um let's talk about curfew Woo-hoo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's talk about curfew so we have a very strict curfew for her which is earlier than her friends it's earlier when she is supposed to be home now is that um is that set in stone for us no it's not and so we have that curfew there and it's in place however if she's able to do everything she needs to do at home and she calls us and she says i want to stay 15 minutes more then we we can negotiate that Mm -hmm. right and we allow her to make those decisions oh yeah, I, I'm going to negotiate this and see if I can work this out with my parents. And it's more a conversation than it is, no, you're going to be home at 10.30. No, we'll, we'll listen to her. Mm-hmm. It's like the movie's not over for another you know, half hour. Can I stay? It's like, okay, did you finish everything you needed to do? Okay, then we'll allow that. So yeah. it's just being flexible yeah. with that. So I don't know if that answered your yeah, question. Yeah. But well, I think in part it definitely does. So like okay. things that don't, um, <clears throat> you know, like staying extra 30 minutes in that one situation might not be you know, detrimental to her you know, well-being or anything like that. And so in that case, you're willing to, to negotiate. But I'm also thinking of things more like um, maybe behaviors that can lead to more dangerous outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so like in that sense, like when do you decide, is this too dangerous? Is this? Is this? Because I, th- I think there's a tendency among... Our generation, I've seen this among our friends as we have kids, like to not want our kids to do anything that can harm them at all. Yeah. Uh, but in doing that, it, it's really easy to say, like, oh, everything can harm them. And so yeah. we don't want to give them any autonomy. Right. And so this idea of like, how do we determine what is potentially really harmful? Yeah. And what is potentially harmful, but is necessary for them to experience in order for them to gain true autonomy. Yeah. Do we get into this? Do you, are you okay? What? We talk about boys a little bit. Ooh, boys. (laughs) We're going to talk about boys. My daughter's at an age, she is a very... Friendly. Friendly person. Okay, flirtatious. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's just her overall niceness. She's just a very nice girl. And they're a very beautiful family. Oh, you're so nice. But yeah, boys are like her. And so (laughs) it's been a really interesting thing to throw boys into this mix. Because, you know, me as a dad, I'm like... 
most dads, you, you would be, I hate boys. But no, this is a natural thing for her mm-hmm. to go through. And so I want her to experience and to fail safely <laughs> in this area of, okay, I like this boy for this reason, and I don't like this boy for And, you know, kind of negotiate that whole thing. She's mm-hmm. got to figure it out. And me telling her what's good and what's bad is not going to help. No. Right? Mm-hmm. So we have allowed her some freedom in her associations with boys that my parents would never have allowed. <laughs> but that's only because we know the boys, you know, and we know their parents. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, I don't even know how to answer this question except to say that it's, it could be a dangerous road if, you know, it could be a very dangerous right. road because of her age and boys and, you know, and yet we have to allow some autonomy in there for her to figure out where boys belong and what kind of boys she's attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it yeah. makes sense to me. And I feel like it almost can't be done without the open communication. Right. Because if you don't have that, then, I mean, obviously yeah. it's a slippery slope. So the fact that she can have open conversations with you guys is, I'm sure. Like, yeah. No, it's not perfect. I mean, right. yeah. But the communicate, what's good between my wife and I is that it's a good balancing thing because mm-hmm. when she doesn't feel like she can completely talk to me, she can talk to my wife, you yeah. know, and it's kind of this nice So you teach mix. driving and she your wife yeah. deals with boys. <laughs> yeah, kind of, you know, I think, yeah, kind of, I think that's kind of been the way it works. So. <laughs> right? I think we share. We, we share. I mean, we know all our friends. They've right. been over, and we're very open about that, and we welcome them when they come. And, uh, yeah. you, know. you should talk about, like, age. Like, it was appropriate age-wise. Yes. As she got older, more and more. Economy, oh, yeah. And the relationship had built over time, so yeah. it's not like this is an all of a sudden. Yeah. So, yeah, we do want to stress that, like, in sixth grade, she had friends, and it's we've allowed autonomy in her playing with friends, and but it was still very contained. It's like just come to our house because we can monitor. And, mm-hmm. and then as time has gone on, she's been able to go to other friends' houses as long as we knew the parents. And then as she's continued to expand her circle of friends, it's like okay, you guys are going to go have a late night, which isn't a sleepover. It's just we're going to stay up till later and hang out. Uh, play in the park and run around and do crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, it's stuff like that. So as they get older, there's little <clears throat> bits by bits it can get. Yeah, as long as she's autonomy. able to follow the rules from the previous mm-hmm. thing, then we allow more autonomy in the next right. phase. So autonomy is not just granted; it's also earned. It's sense. earned. Yeah, it's definitely earned. I mean, we she's still a child, and we're still responsible for her, and so we take that seriously. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we do want her to experience being able to make choices. Yeah. Man, I I feel like usually we like to try and dive in on one specific topic, but we really wanted to get as much as we can from Lee. But I feel like every single topic we brought up, we could have done a whole episode on. Oh. So maybe in the future... Heavy we'll, content. Yeah. I like I, maybe we'll have to try and get Lee back on eventually so we can kind of dive into one of these issues more specifically if you guys are interested in any one of these issues more particularly or are interested in hearing a different perspective from lee uh, let us know um and we can try and work that out yeah um I, I think again we want to always try and draw out a few really solid applications practical real world ways to make your homes more centered on christ and i, I think having a i know having solid relationships with our family members, especially between parents and children, because again, we've said this before, but Heavenly Father has entrusted certain spirits to come into our homes um, and has entrusted us with raising them and helping them come back to Christ, which mm-hmm. is there's, I don't think there's any greater responsibility or any greater honor that Heavenly Father could have given us than entrusting us with another one of his children. Um, and so as we do this, and as we build our relationships we honor that responsibility that the Father gave us. And I, I think two that come to mind for me that I really like, two uh, practical applications that I really like is, um, or are, that uh, opinions are not more, or are use, useless if you don't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. And the relationships are more important than being right. Right. Mm-hmm. The relationships are so important. And even if opinions clash, if the relationship is strong, eventually you will find a good place to be at 
because yep. that relationship holds supreme. Yep. Um, another thing I really like is this idea of truthful validation. So validation needs to be something that is meaningful and specific, but truthful validation also comes with truthful critique. It comes with being engaged in your children and I think in your spouse's lives as well um, and being able to say specific real things that are genuinely helpful mm-hmm. to help yeah. them improve. And I would say one thing that I pulled from this is very applicable is from the truthful validation, um, giving sincere validation and sincere like even compliments instead of saying like, oh, I like your shirt. Say like, oh, I like the way you did this or the way you behaved here or um, I like this about your personality or something because that will help kids, um, not just kids, but other people know that you watch them and you're proud of them and you, you're noticing them and I, I like that. Yeah. So thanks guys so much for having Thank you. I mean, Thank letting us you. come yeah. to your home yeah, and they're awesome. being on our episode today. Um, so Lee, if our listeners are really motivated by your message, uh, <clears throat> how can they follow you? How can they contact you? So uh, my agency that I'm working for had me take all of this stuff and create an online website. Oh, cool. So you can get parenting skills. It's called smarterparenting.com. Everything on the website is pretty much written by me. Awesome. <laughs> but anyways, the agency is, um, yeah, smarterparenting.com. You can have, download some free chore charts and um, just a ton of other resources. And then they have video lessons on how to communicate um, how to praise, effective praise is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And it just has a ton of tips. So you can jump on that website, get all of this there. Um, or you can excellent. just, yeah, it's a resource for parents. It's free. There's no charge for it. And uh, you can whiz through it pretty pretty fast. Awesome. So we will include that in the show notes. Yeah, yep. so check them out. Okay, awesome. So if you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe and leave us a review. And you're on Apple Podcasts, quick little starry thing with the five stars. Yes, five stars. Maybe four, but not below. No. But five. But five, five. if you like. Okay. Be honest. <laughs> Be truthful. All right. We love you guys. Please okay. reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, suggested uh, topics, or guests you would like us to have on. Uh, we're really enjoying this journey we're having with you guys. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. Okay, thanks. Keep Bye. the faith. <laughs>